Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that as Christians, we are sons and daughters of our Father in Heaven? Our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally. And, because He loves us, He disciplines us, even as loving earthly parents discipline their children. Let's open our Bibles now to Hebrews chapter 12 and learn about this incredible counterintuitive love of our Heavenly Father. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another happy podcast. This is uh, the second of our podcasts where I am trying to to implement a, uh, a more happy tone and uh, disposition. Hopefully, teaching the word of God um, will not be affected at all by this. But uh, again, I had said last time that my Beautiful wife May has uh, has found some of the podcasts to be you know too uh, just too intense, and they even sound harsh to her at times. So I am trying to uh, to lighten it up a little bit and be a little more happy. I have a, a wonderful editing team here, and thank you. And uh, when when we teach these, or when I teach these, um, I'm trying to teach the Word of God plainly and carefully, uh, as well as zealously and passionately. Um, but you know, um, different people have shared different thoughts and, and I do appreciate them. As I said last time, it's, 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 I have this amazing thing in my life. I seem to have a countless number of people who are consistently willing to share their loving opinion with me on how I can do things better. I think that makes me the most blessed man in the world, right? Because my lovely wife, my spouse, um, I'm going to say, I've said this before, I'm going to say that my wife may, I'll bet you she shares 20 unsolicited recommendations a day with me. 20 different things she will recommend throughout each day of my life that I need to improve. And uh, thank you, sweetheart. I, uh, I appreciate it. Um, I am being facetious, of course. And and I'll say, literally, if she says 20 things, probably 20 of the things are good. There's no doubt that she recommends things that, that, that are beneficial to me. And I mean in every sphere of my life. I mean, she will tackle um, things I need to do better spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally. And uh, she's very generous with her, um, with her help. And I have other people in my life that are that are also very generous, um, and so I I am trying to uh, to to make these podcasts. I want them to be uplifting and a kingdom discipleship. We want them to be um, certainly enjoyable, and but most importantly, all that matters to me anyway is that the word of God is taught. And so I'm trying to lighten it up and be kind of happy and uplifting, but at the same time, you know, deliver uh, the uncompromised teaching of the Word of God. So it feels a little awkward trying to make these changes, um, but thank you for, for, for your patience. 
So all that to say, um, today we're going to be in, we're doing part three, and, and we may have to go to part four of uh, Disciplined Disciples of Jesus. In the first teaching, I told you how a brother of mine named Rap, R-A-P, had, uh, you know, had sent me a, uh, a, a very loving um, and uh, encouraging text that was also followed up with a, uh, a word of exhortation on, on living a disciplined life. And that really plays perfectly into what the Hebrew writer is suggesting to us here. In the first two podcasts, we discussed, we've gotten through only verse 4. So today we're going to pick up in verse 5. And hopefully I can get through verse 11 um, and finish this up. So we're going to go ahead and read it. And we will then pray and then we will get rolling. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Father, we do love you and bless you and thank you and praise you. Father, we ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear today. Father, this is a very difficult portion of scripture, Father. I, I confess that, that I have not appreciated your discipline in my life by any means in the manner in which I should. And I, and I ask you to forgive me, Father. Um, Father, I ask you to help us to see that, that you discipline us, Lord, truly out of love, out of complete and total um, unconditional love. Thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, we love you and we bless you and we praise you. We thank you, Lord for loving us. We thank you for giving your life for us, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we are the bride of Christ. Lord, we just worship you and thank you as our King and our Master and our Savior and our God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the Word of God. Again, we ask for eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we're in verse 5. And the Hebrew writer says, and it's, this may be, I was talking to a brother of mine yesterday. Um, uh, it was Sunday morning and we had met at a, uh, like a real old timey and cool diner. You, you know, you ever been to one of those uh, breakfast diners where the tablecloths um, look like, you know, they're, they're brand new, but it looked like they were bought new in like 1965, right? 
Um, but it, the, the diner was pristine and it was clean and we were the only ones there. And, uh, and the proprietor was serving me the, the, the incredible hot coffee. Mm. Anyway, I was just blessed. And, and I was meeting with a, a brother of mine, Jason. I told him this may be one of, if not the most counterintuitive pieces of scripture in the Bible. And you'll see what I mean. Verse 5 says, And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Now, every time it says sons here, it means sons and daughters. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement. And here we're going to show you where it's, where it's just completely, seemingly counterintuitive. So I'm thinking, it says, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement, Susanna. So I'm waiting for this incredible word of encouragement, this encouraging word that addresses you as sons and daughters. And here's the word. Here's the most wonderful, encouraging word that the Hebrew writer has for me from my heavenly father as his son. He says, John, quote, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. You know, I'm trying to find the, the, the word of encouragement in there. Okay. I have forgotten this verse five and you have forgotten that word of encouragement. I mean, when I, when it says word of encouragement, I'm looking for it to say, John, my boy, I love you so much. You're my man. I mean, John, I am so pleased with you. I am going to bless you so much, Johnny. Big boy, I mean, you are my man. I am going to shower you with blessings. You're never going to have any problems. I cannot, but John, I am so moved by how good you're doing. That's the kind of word of encouragement I like to have from my heavenly father. Frankly, that's the kind of encouragement I like from people too. I do. The word of encouragement from the Hebrew writer is that he wants me to be encouraged that I get to have my father's discipline. He wants me to be encouraged that I get to be disciplined by my heavenly father. Here is this great encouragement that my father loves me so much that he is willing to discipline me out of his incredible, omnipotent, omniscient love. You see what I mean by counterintuitive, right? Um, we generally don't think of discipline. Like if you're parents and you discipline your children, right? If you spank your children or in a, 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 a whatever way you punish your children when they misbehave, right? Um, say you ground them, say you don't let them have a snack, you don't let them play certain games. Depending on the age of the child, he doesn't feel encouraged, does he? He actually feels discouraged. But this is, if, if we can see it, this is one of the great, incredible, powerful paradox is in the word of God. Right, Dustin? Because yes, it is encouraging. When you're going through discipline, and verse 7 says endure hardship as discipline. Hardship. That means things that are hard in your life, things that are difficult in your life. When you're having problems, whether it be physically, emotionally, 
financially, relationally. Y'all have any of those? Trying to be happy and uplifting. Do y'all have any problems? I don't know how to say that with like a big ear to ear smile. All of us have different, different difficulties in our life, different things that are hard. Verse 7, uh, the first four words say, endure hardship as discipline. Things that are hard in our lives, relationships that are hard. Do y'all have any hard relationships? Um, or, or is every relationship in your life just, just the interactions are just so wonderful and heavenly and beautiful? I mean, they're just incredible. I mean, you've never, you, you just don't have any relational problems. I hope that's the case. And I really would like life to be like that. And we're going to get into why it, that's not right. You know, there have been different times in my life where I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and said, you know, John, you, you would like to have heaven on earth. And I really would. I, I don't enjoy problems in my life. I don't enjoy difficulties. And as I, as I prayed in the opening uh, rap, I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy uh, discipline, Jason. I don't. But yet, if, if, if we can begin to grow and mature in our walk with Jesus Christ, this scripture tells us very clearly that if you're undergoing discipline as a child of God, if you do have hardships and difficulties in your life, it says that that's confirmation to you that you are a legitimate, true, genuine son or daughter of God Almighty. That if you're a Christian today and you've called on the name of Jesus, you're trusting in him as your Lord and Savior, you have received Jesus Christ and you're actively trusting in him right now to save you from your sin and to bring you to heaven when you die. You have and are placing all your faith in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior. That's a Christian. Someone who has placed their complete faith and trust actively in Jesus Christ to save them from their sin and bring them to heaven when they die. You know that you're hopeless and that your only hope is to be saved from your sin by Jesus Christ, the Lord. That's a Christian. Now, the Hebrew writer says, here's this, this encouraging thing, this encouraging aspect of your Christianity. And it says that you have forgotten it. Okay? He says, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. So many, uh, listen to this, so many of the problems we have as Christians, so many of the depth of the problems we have, so much of the depth of our, of our pain and our frustration comes from these words, and you have forgotten. As Christians, we consistently forget the promises of the word of God. They're consistently not at the forefront of our mind, right, Lauren? If you remembered all the promises of your heavenly father while you were going through pain, if those were at the forefront of our minds, Kristen, as opposed to 
the problem, we would be meaningfully more encouraged. We consistently forget that we're in Christ. We consistently forget the promises of the word of God, Peyton, right? Um, when you're in difficulty, often all you can see is the difficulty. All you care about is that the difficulty stop. Of course, I confess that's the story of my life and difficulties. I just, I look forward to them being over. But the Hebrew writer here is teaching something about growing in Christ, maturing in Christ. And he says that the difficulties in your life, the hardships in your life are there for a reason. They're there. And number one, that God is using them. It says that he's addressing you as his children. And the way he does that is by lovingly chastising or disciplining you for things that are out of place in your life and in my life. This is not a popular teaching. Um, of all the teachings that my wife would recommend that I do in a more happy and uplifted tone, this has got to be the hardest because the Hebrew writer is, is one of the most forceful writer in scripture. And interestingly enough, we don't know who that is. The Hebrew writer does not disclose himself. Um, you know, there, there have been people who have guessed, but it, we are not told who the Hebrew writer is. Uh, it is a different style of writing, very much so than the writing of the Apostle Paul. Of course, it could be him. Um, there's a chance it could be Apollos. For the scripture said in the book of Acts that Apollos was mighty in the scriptures. C can you have a better virtue than that? It said Apollos was mighty in the scriptures. Just let that sink in. If, if, if you could be anything in this life, if you want to be mighty, let it be mighty in the scriptures, mighty in the word of God. So it could be Apollos. But we're not told who this writer is. But when you read the 13 chapters of the book of Hebrews, uh, this is a very, very forceful letter. And he's tackling subjects that are not tackled elsewhere. The, the book of Hebrews is a massively pivotal book of the word of God. This section of scripture right here is so unique and so powerful. And again, look what he says here. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, as sons and daughters. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So as opposed to being discouraged when we're going through problems and difficulties and hardships, we're supposed to be encouraged. Now, you know, the book of James says this as well. You remember in James chapter one, he says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's another one, right? Seems counterintuitive because when I'm going through difficulties and trials, you know, my disposition is more to be uh, not joyful or joyous, but down and depressed and sad and frustrated. But what the Hebrew writer is reminding you is that this should be a reminder of your loving heavenly father 
who is disciplining you out of his love. And he's doing that, as we're going to read down uh, in the scriptures, um, so that it produces a work in you. Verse 11 says that it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. See, we want to be trained by the discipline of our Heavenly Father. So if we could see this, this is exciting. There is hope in this, Jason. There's hope in this, Chloe. That that when you're going through the discipline of your Heavenly Father, that He is training you. And that training, if you will, if you will receive it, instead of despising it, it will produce, it says, a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And the word trained in the Bible is a, is a word that was used to, to reference how athletes trained in a very vigorous way and pushed themselves in a, a very vigorous way so that they might perform in the you know, in whatever competitions they were in. And so when your heavenly father is disciplining you and disciplining me, we, we, we want to begin to see this and to be open to it and to thank him for it, whatever it is. Whatever it is. And, and, and this is a hard subject because verse seven says endure hardship as discipline. So Somebody will say, does that mean every single thing that's wrong in my life is God's disciplining and punishing me? And as soon as we say that, we've gotten off track from the Hebrew writer's thought process here. The Hebrew writer would answer that and say, uh, yes, that is what you should do. You should view all things that come into your life. Because here is, I'm going to give you a theological reality. Okay? Um, Everything that happens in your life, it's either caused by God or allowed by God. So any negative thing that comes into your life or my life, biblically speaking, is either caused by him or allowed by him. So, so that means he is actually involved. He is at least passively involved in everything that happens to you. Does that make sense to you? He could Nothing can come into your life without him either causing it or allowing it. Your heavenly father is all-knowing, Matthew. He is all-powerful, Brooke. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So when a difficult situation comes into your life, say you were in a car accident or, or you were sick, God is not the author of evil, but he can and has undoubtedly countless times more than we're aware stopped bad things from happening to us. But when he does allow a circumstance to play out that causes you difficulty or hardship, he certainly has the power, the understanding, the knowledge, the awareness to stop it. And so the very fact that it's there means he has given at least a passive approval to it. Can you see that? That's kind of deep. If you have a negative situation in your life, Susanna, no matter what it is, 
that means your Heavenly Father has given at least a passive approval. Because he knew it was going to happen, he saw it, and he decided to use it for your good and my good as opposed to preventing it. And it's the same with us as parents. Sometimes as parents, we'll allow our children to walk down a course that we know is not good for them. We've given them what we have given them clear instruction. Just like the Bible is our Heavenly Father's word to us, we give our children the word of God, the Bible, and we give them instruction. And oftentimes, they disobey us. And there are times where you will let your children go a course that you know is not the proper course. It's not it's not your will, and you know it's not a biblical will, but you'll let them do that because you want them to learn. You see it. You have grown. You're matured. Uh, you have immensely more experience than your children, right, Wendy? And, and you, will, you will even allow them in many ways to make mistakes knowing that the pain of that mistake will prevent that from doing it in the future, right? Sometimes when a kid touches the, the hot stove or whatever, he may, he, it may be terrible. He may be burning. He's probably not going to touch it again. So that doesn't mean you just go leaving the hot stove on. But the point is that we, we as parents... We can see how we train our children in these things. And the Hebrew writer is going to say that. Right? Verse 9. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and respected them for it. And mothers. We can see the good in this. How much more, this is the rest of verse 9, should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? You know, sometimes as, as, as children and as we get older... Right, it feels um, it feels a little humiliating to be disciplined by another human being, right? It seems like um, there's just something about it that our pride is hurt. That that say we're disciplined, particularly if it's someone around your own age. Now it's really hard, right, to undergo discipline from say a boss that's younger than you, or an employer that's younger than you, right? Um, or let's say you're a teenage child, you know, 16, 17, and your parents are disciplining you. You can just feel a little bit off, right? And, and as human beings, your parents are not perfect. We're not perfect as parents. But, but we ought to be able to receive. We ought not feel embarrassed or humiliated. We ought to be able to humbly receive the heavenly discipline of our all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving Heavenly Father. I had to catch myself there. I was getting a little excited. Right? Does that make sense to everyone? That it says, how much more should we submit? Our Heavenly Father is perfect. He's perfect in His love. Even though we don't enjoy discipline, as verse 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. We ought to be able to submit to it and humble ourselves under it because we know it's coming from a loving heavenly father, a father who loves us unconditionally with no reservation whatsoever. 
So hopefully that makes sense. Endure hardship is discipline. Verse 7, God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Verse 8, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Now that's a heavy theological statement that the Hebrew writer is wanting you to know the hardship and the difficulties that your sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful, heavenly father either causes or allows you to go through as a true Christian, as a true believer in Jesus Christ, are evidence that he really is your father. And, and again, this is very counterintuitive because we hear often of the incredible love of our heavenly father in church, right, Rap? We hear about how much our father loves us, Chris, and he certainly does. He is an all-loving father, right? The Bible says God is love. But the Hebrew writer is saying, one of the primary ways that you can see the love of your father as a, as a, as a genuine Christian is from his discipline for you and on you as his child. So again, it seems very counterintuitive. It just, it doesn't, you know, um, when children are being disciplined by their parents, at the time, they're not saying, this is wonderful. This is great. Daddy, I like it so much. Can I have more problems, please? No. And remember, it says in verse 11 that later on, now, you know, if any of y'all are like me, I want... I want my discipline to be over, and then I want to learn right away. But like anything, there is a time of growth and maturity. And for most of us, we can see, like, like our children, again, you went to your parents, and our children come to us, and they can recognize as they get older, and we did as we got older, how the discipline was good for us. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. And again, it is a mark. The Hebrew writer is saying that when you're going through difficulties and problems, that it is a mark as a Christian that you are truly a Christian and God the Father is truly your heavenly Father because if you weren't his child, he would not discipline you. And I'm going to explain, there's a very theological importance in this that I'm going to break down now. If you're not a child of God today, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Ireland, then, then you are under the wrath of God. God the Father is not your Father. He's your judge for anyone who has not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches they're under the wrath of God. You, the wrath of God, will punish you for your sin. Because when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all of your sin, past, present, and future, that debt of sin, the responsibility for that sin is taken by Jesus at the cross. Jesus pays the penalty. Jesus was punished in your place. He died in your place and in my place. He died the death I should have died. He took the punishment I should have been punished. As a matter of fact, 
he went to hell in the place I should have went. Except I would have been stuck in hell for eternity. Jesus conquered hell, Kristen. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, if you're not a Christian today, I'll say it again. You become a Christian by believing the word of God, the Bible, that says Jesus came and lived a perfect life for you, died a perfect death for you, that he is alive and risen from the dead. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And you simply believe that and call on him. And if you have a hard time believing it, cry out, say, Lord Jesus, help my unbelief. And he'll do that. But you simply, with as much meaning as you can, you go to him in prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I do ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin. I do not want to be under the wrath of God, Jesus. I ask you to save me from my sin and the wrath of God and bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Now, if you pray that prayer and you mean it, then you're a Christian. You have been saved. No longer will you ever come under the wrath of God. Never again will you be punished for your sin by the wrath of God. Now, everything takes on a whole new relationship. It's called relationship. Now, you're not an outcast. You have relationship. And God the Father is actually your loving, heavenly Father, Jose. He's your father. He's your daddy. The wrath of God, he has, there will be no wrath for you. Now he has only love for you. No more will you be disciplined out of justice. Now you're disciplined out of love, Nathan. If you're not a Christian, God's wrath comes because of justice. But if you're a Christian, the justice was paid by Jesus. That's profound. As a Christian now, your heavenly father, no more. No more ever, ever will he punish you as a criminal who's under the wrath of God from their sin. Now you're his son. You're his daughter, Chloe. You're his daughter, Kimberly. And your loving heavenly father will discipline you out of his love for your benefit. It's a loving discipline that comes to you. Y'all see that? It's really an incredible, beautiful picture of what happens when we come into relationship with God the Father as our heavenly Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you are now his legitimately true sons and daughters. And in that place, as a loving Father, he will and does discipline us so that it says, it says, verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, and that's for sure, right? But painful, verse 11. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And this, and this is a very difficult concept. Oftentimes, I, I confess, and this may be the, the case most of the time, that, that the discipline of my heavenly father, I don't learn from it. 
We ought to learn from our discipline. When we're going through hardships, okay, and again, not, not, not everything in our life, not every hardship of our life is a result that we're necessarily walking around in some terribly sinful way. But the Hebrew writer does say, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons, as his sons and daughters. Um, so there are things that happen, but no matter what's happened to you, if it's negative, you want to see what we can learn from it. And we want to be trained by it. You want to be trained by hardship. This is the Hebrew writer. It will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And we can't be trained by it if all we do is complain about it. And sometimes, I, I mean, I can complain so much. I confess, Lord, when I'm in difficult circumstances or difficult times or dealing with difficult people. I can complain way more. Matter of fact, I shouldn't complain at all. But I do. I confess that, and Father, I'm sorry. And when you do, what you do and what I do when we complain, May, about our Heavenly Father's discipline in our lives is, you know, we spurn it. We're basically saying, you know, this isn't right, this isn't just. And we complain like little children when, when we discipline a four-year-old or a five-year-old. They think they know better. And when we do that, we're not being trained by it like we, like we can be. So the Hebrew writer wants us to, verse 7, endure hardship as discipline, that our heavenly Father is disciplining us, and it shows that we are his children, right? We're not being disciplined like we are by other human beings, which can, again, have a very demeaning and, you know, it, it hurts our pride. He's our heavenly Father. You and I should have absolutely no pride from our Heavenly Father lovingly disciplining us. As a matter of fact, we ought, to, we ought to blessedly receive it and thank Him for it. Verse 10 says, Our Father disciplined us for a little while as they thought. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, our earthly fathers. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. So, Again, there's a concept here, it's important to understand, and I'm going to wrap up, that when it says that he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness, holiness is when we're growing to be more like Jesus Christ. And that means that the active sin in our lives should be less and less and less and less. So you want to examine yourself, and I want to examine myself, and we want to look at sinful lifestyles in our life. And that begins with sinful thoughts. We can, we can, we can think sinful thoughts throughout our day. We can, you know, we can think all kinds of thoughts in so many ways that are sinful. And then the more we have sinful thoughts, the more that will lead to sinful words. And certainly we know what sinful words are. You know, and, and, and many of us, if not most of us, might have spoken sinful words today and undoubtedly might have had some sinful thoughts. And then obviously, sinful thoughts move into sinful words, which lead to sinful actions and behavior. Holiness is when you're growing in, to do these things less and less. When you grow in holiness to be more like Jesus, you grow to have less sinful thoughts 
less sinful words and less sinful actions. And the ultimate goal, which we won't reach in this life, but we ought to try to get as close as we can, is to be like Jesus. Jesus lived his life on this earth, Wendy, for 33 and a half years, and he never sinned, never had a sinful thought, never spoke a sinful word, never did a sinful deed or action. Perfect. And so when we're undergoing discipline from our Heavenly Father, it is so that we would grow in holiness, that we would grow to be more like Christ, that we would go to put put the sin behind us, as we said in the last podcast, that we'd repent of our sin and that we wouldn't keep doing it. And, and, and some who are listening to this, we may be convicted now of the Holy Spirit of some sinful lifestyle we have. It can be an immoral lifestyle. It could be a, uh, uh, it could be a lifestyle where sometimes you don't use language that you ought, you use language that you ought not be using, right? Maybe you have a habit of telling white lies all the time. Um, you know, maybe you, you know, maybe you're not careful with your words. Maybe uh, uh, one of my sinful problems is I'm impatient. And my impatience can lead me into sin. You want to look at that and you want to repent. And as you repent, you're being trained by the discipline of your heavenly father. And it will produce a harvestness of righteousness, a harvest of righteousness and peace. If we will be trained by it and we want to be trained Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I'll end by saying this. I'll say it again. And uh, this is what I started this series on. And there was the conversation I had with my brother Rap, And that is that we can, we can either discipline ourselves. And the more we discipline ourselves, the less our Heavenly Father will discipline us. His heart is that we be disciplined disciples of Jesus Christ. Disciplined disciples of Jesus Christ. This is part three of the messages we've titled, Disciplined Disciples of Jesus Christ. So if you'll discipline yourself, Susanna, your heavenly father won't have to discipline you. He doesn't want to do this. He's not sadistic. It says he's doing it because he loves you, but he's doing it because it's necessary. But if you and I will repent, if we will look at the areas of our life that are out of place, if we will look at the things we're doing that we shouldn't be doing and begin doing them, if we'll look at the things he's told us to do that we're not doing and we'll begin doing it, in doing that, we're disciplining ourselves. And as we discipline ourselves, the necessity of his discipline on our lives will become less. Because just like little children, as they grow up, hopefully, We've trained them and we don't have to discipline them in the same way that, that we did when they were five years old or seven years old or 10 years old. Hopefully by the time they're 16, 17 years old, Jack, they're, they're yes, sir, no, sir, children. You know, hopefully they're children that have good manners. Hopefully they're children that, that have already learned to you know, to, to take accountability for, for their mistakes and the sins they have committed and they ask forgiveness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So let's discipline ourselves. Let's be disciplined disciples of Jesus Christ. You remember when I said we get our, 
English word discipline from the Latin word disciple. So you cannot even really be a true disciple of Jesus if we don't have a disciplined lifestyle. You can be a Christian, you can be saved, you can have your sins forgiven and you're going to heaven. But a disciple of Jesus is a disciplined follower of Jesus, someone who's really trying to discipline themselves to follow Jesus Christ and to get to know him and to walk in relationship with him and to love him and to, and to know his love and to, and to obey him. Well, Father, we do love you and we do bless you. And, uh, and Father, I ask you to forgive us. Uh, as it says in verse 5, I ask you to forgive us where we forget, where we forget the word of God and the promises of God and it and Father, I ask you to forgive us, it says, when we make light of the Lord's discipline. It says, do not make light of it. And Father, help us not to make light of the Lord's discipline. Help us not to spurn it. But to, but to know you're just showing your love to us because you know what's best. Father, I ask you to forgive me for so many times where I really do think I know what's best. When I clearly do not. Lord, help us not to lose heart when you rebuke us, it says. For Father, it says, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And Lord, we've been accepted as your sons and daughters. Lord, help us to see if we're, if we're, if we're going through some difficulties or hardships as your children and, and that, that you're simply, you're simply lovingly disciplining us. And Father, at the same time, I ask you to help us to see that not Every single thing that goes wrong in our lives is necessarily discipline from God our Father. Help us, Father, to see and to walk with you. And Lord, to really apply ourselves and train ourselves to learn from the difficulties and hardships that happen in our life. Father, we thank you, Lord that you discipline us for our good, that we may share in your holiness. Lord Jesus, we love you and we bless you and we thank you for your love. We thank you for giving your life for us, Lord. We thank you that in you, Lord Jesus, you took all the wrath of God for us, that we will never, ever receive it, that we can only receive the love of our Heavenly Father, a love that includes his loving discipline. Holy Spirit, we worship you and thank you. We ask you to go ahead of us today. We thank you for the word of God, Holy Spirit. We thank you for our Heavenly Father. We thank you for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and Master and King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.